Thanks, Josh. Well, again, good morning, everyone. The title of my message today is Honouring Elders. Uh, so before we go any further, I just want to say that I have not been paid to preach this message. I've not been given a list of content that I've got to get across to you guys on behalf of the existing elders. But uh, what I, I do want to say is that when I sat down to begin to write this, I have to confess my first manuscript, my first script, uh, my first work through of this message was really all the things that I wanted somebody to come and tell the people in Grace City Church on behalf of the elders. So um, with that message, I put it in the bin because uh, my, my goal today is not personal gain for me or personal gain for your elders in, uh, in your church. My aim has to be to, to rightly declare to you what God has written in his word for the benefit of his church. And, and I love the church. Um, I'm passionate about God's people. It's something beautiful about the church when it's working well together. Um, so if you've got a Bible, uh, just turn with me to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 5. I'm going to bring it up on the screen, but uh, it's always useful if you can find it on your phone or in your own Bible, just so you know where these things are. But I'm just going to read through 1 Timothy chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 17 to 25. So let's just do that together right now. Um, here we are. So let says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says that you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain and the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. And as for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and for frequent ailments. The sins of some people are conspicuous, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. So also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. Okay, like I said, I love the church. There's something beautiful about when the church is operating well. And we know that God cares for all his people. We've been singing, we've been rejoicing in some of the, the promises of that care already this morning. But um, in the previous verses, uh, prior to the verses I've just read, Paul's been explaining God's desire that the church honor widows or the church honor those who have special needs. And another way that God cares for his church is by appointing elders, appointing leaders, people to step up and take, certain, take on certain roles and responsibility. So with all of that in mind, um, there's three questions that I want to explore today. And those three questions, again, I'll bring them up on the screen so we're, we're nice and clear. Those uh, three questions are, are as follows. I want to look at who are we honoring? I want to look at what are we supposed to be honoring, honoring or what are we not supposed to be honoring? And I want to look at how 
uh, are we honouring? And that's really a question to you as a church. How are we honouring our elders? So who are we honouring? What are we honouring? And how are we honouring? Paul begins uh, in verse 17, in the verses we've just read, he begins by saying, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honour, especially those who labour in preaching and in teaching. Uh, an elder is the same as an overseer or a pastor. Uh, many of you already know that. Um, it's in this position, when done well, that Paul considers worthy of honour. Honour is all about the way we regard somebody. So um, I'm going to use a, a few scriptures um, from different places just to support what I think Paul is trying to get across um, here. But in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, uh, Paul says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. So Paul wants us to respect and esteem leaders, not just for the sake of respect, but because of their work. And part of their work includes the need to admonish. Now, I can only say that because that's what's written there. This is not me adding my, uh, my personal preferences in here. But I remember as, a, as a, a child, it wasn't easy for me to respect my parents just after they'd admonished me. Uh, I would want to retaliate, speak back, much to my father's disappointment. Um, but in the same way, it takes effort to work through our relationship with an elder, especially after being corrected or admonished, whether that's indirectly through the preaching of the word or whether that's directly through a one-on-one -on -one conversation. But admonishment done rightly is a sign of love, according to scripture. The Bible says God disciplines those he loves. But what we find um, in a, a world that is increasingly becoming more self-focused um, is that we, we retaliate. We don't, we don't like that kind of stuff. There's, there are always people whose ultimate goal is to, to be on good terms with everybody, and that's how they, they see church. Um, and they tend to view those who create conflict as troublemakers. They associate admonishment or conflict with poor leadership. Therefore, those people can often find it difficult to respect or to honor those who are over them. So Paul lays out some some quite explicit instructions in the passage that uh, we've read today when it comes to selecting who should and shouldn't be elders. So I'm presuming you, as a church, that process has already taken place because you're about to lay hands on somebody next week. Um, but his advice is, is take it slow in verse 22 and, and allow time for the true character to surface. That's in verse 24 and 25. That's because God isn't looking for, for millionaires. He's not looking for entertainers. He's, he's not looking for statesmen. Salvation's open to the wealthy. It's open to the intelligent. It's open to the powerful, just as it is to everybody else. But it's open to us on the basis of faith. Um, 
So it's this feeling of inadequacy that makes people aware that they have a need, and it's that need which draws them to the gospel. Now, I state that because I think a wrong way of interpreting what Paul is getting at is that we're looking for the perfect leader, and in which case I'll shut up now and most of your elders will step down as well, um, because that, that's not what Paul's laying out here. He's laying out people who are aware of a need, and that need draws them to the gospel. So pride in and dependence upon our abilities actually keeps us from the gospel. It keeps us from the kingdom, whereas weakness or a sense of personal insufficiency creates a climate through which God's strength is made manifest. So we, we, I think uh, we can be tempted to, to think, uh, well, let me speak about myself. I can look at famous people or, or particularly powerful people in, in our society here in Japan, and, and I can think, wouldn't it be great if they would become a Christian? Think of all the, the impact and the influence they could have. But the, the, the more I, I read the Gospels, the more I realize Jesus didn't think like that. That's not how he chose his disciples. Some were well-known in their local towns, and, and others might have been well-off. But Jesus didn't choose them for their wealth or for their influence. As he discipled them, he, he didn't even try to capitalize on any wealth or any influence, because that wasn't what he was interested in. Um, scripture says, or Paul writes in, in 2 Corinthians, he says, but we, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And I think that's a, a, that's a, a really important statement that, that we bear in mind here is that God isn't choosing perfect men to, to lead his church. He's choosing weak vessels through which he can carry out his purposes. Therefore, it's those who cannot allow God to carry out his purposes through them that are disqualified from leading his church. So therefore, elders are, should be people like you and I. Like every believer, they are dependent upon the grace of God, on the gospel, on the beauty of his mercy. Uh, but they're striving to, to do the work of Christ and, and to represent him well. So th that's a little bit about who um, we, we are honoring. My, my, my second question today is, is what uh, are we supposed to be honoring? And um, Paul highlights two actions that are, are, are worthy uh, of honor. Um, these two actions are here uh, on the screen right now. Um, he, the first is that of ruling. The second is that of preaching and teaching. So two things that, two actions that Paul highlights are when done well, are worthy uh, of honor. So one aspect of pastoring is, is that of ruling, uh, keeping the church in order. Oversight is a tremendous responsibility which elders carry on their shoulders. Um, let, yeah, just let me read this one, Peter chapter five. It says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, ruling, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. What I just want to pull out of that is this, this ruling is that elders do is 
an act of service that is done willingly. The money is not what motivates them. The power is not what motivates them. Um, I highlight that because through, uh, we've taken a number of guys through, through provisional elders training, taking on people, uh, looking for the right guys to, to empower in, in Grace City Church. Uh, and their motivation um, is, is a key, um, key fact for, for, for discernment. Um, do they willingly take on the responsibilities or, or are they doing this for, for other motivations? So in our elders uh, meetings, we, we regularly have discussions about the manner in which we should rule or, or oversee. And I, I'm presuming that's the same amongst your elders. Well, I know it is because I've, I've, I've had some of those conversations as Joss uh, referred to earlier uh, with them. What, what has God commanded? What principles are we to apply? Um, one scripture says, do not judge. Another says, overlook the sins of others. And then another scripture says, correct and rebuke one another. You know, ministry is, it's rarely black and white. Now, I'm a, I'm a guy, I like black and white. I like things to just fall in their place. I get extremely exhausted and stressed when things are not black and white for me. So discerning takes up a lot of energy. And, and that's that's a lot of what your your elders have been doing, are going to continue to be doing, especially when the elders are seeking to be the best example they can be. What I find interesting here is that elders are not called to rule on every matter. An elder is not appointed to rule over every area of your personal life. Uh, an elder doesn't set standards outside of scripture. Uh, an elder has no authority over um, your personal likes or dislikes. So why I mention that is because that means that ruling well as an elder sometimes actually means staying out of something rather than speaking into something which God hasn't given elders authority over. So um, in areas of clear biblical command, elders rule. In areas of personal preference, elders recognize and accept differences. So, so let me give you an example. Um, I think it's good for Christians to go on holiday. So I came back yesterday from a two-week holiday in the UK. Uh, it was refreshing. It was a way of getting away from some of the pressures of ministry. Uh, I, it was a time of clearing my mind, a time of connecting with my family, uh, a, a reminder of, of God's creation and the great British landscape. Uh, okay, all of these things are important to me. I think that I can argue that going away for a while is rooted in biblical principle. Even Jesus went away, sometimes alone, sometimes with his disciples. When the crowds pressed upon him, he would sometimes go away to be with God to a secluded place. He, he needed rest, and then he would return to his work. Uh, he didn't permanently escape or run away from his responsibilities. So does the Bible command we take holidays? Well, the answer is no. Therefore, it would be wrong for an elder to say everyone must take a week's holiday every year because this is not what it means to, to rule well. Okay, it's a simple example, but I, I hope you get my point. Uh, an elder's rule is limited to the word of God. Now, another aspect 
of eldering, which, which Paul brings up uh, in his letter to Timothy, is, the, is to labor in preaching and teaching. So preaching is the, the public proclamation of truth. Uh, truth is delivered, and as it is, it touches the heart and the mind, and so the Spirit initiates a, a response in God's people. Teaching is about the giving of information that helps distinguish between truth and error, and, uh, and why that's important is because Paul's main concern in writing his letter to Timothy uh, is that heresy is entering the church. So within this context, uh, it's no wonder that Paul mentions the importance of honoring those who consistently labor to get it right when it comes to preaching and teaching God's people. So the preaching and the teaching of truth, it's the first line of defense against error in the church. So these are the, the, the things that, that, um, uh, that, that we're supposed to be looking out for in regards to, to honoring uh, but what I, I want to look at to uh, spend the majority of my time, if you like, here this morning is looking at how are we honoring, trying to make this a little bit more, more practical. Um, let me share a slide with you. Um, here we go. Right. So here's what Paul has emphasized so far. This is my covering of, of, of those verses that we read. So he's talked about ruling well. He's talked about being consistent with the word and in how you live and rule. And he's talked about laboring, preaching, and, and teaching the word. This is what he sees uh, in the life of, of elders. Uh, these are the things that God values in the church and has put in the church through the life of the elders. But, but let me ask you this. Are these the same things that you value in your elders? I'm going to give you a, a moment just to, to reflect on that question, because I think it's a really important question. Are these the things that you value in your elders? Because sometimes what believers want, and I'm as guilty as this as everybody else, is the latest technology in the church, the best childcare programs in the church, someone who meets their personal needs as and when they want or replies to their text straight away, or somebody who is always sympathetic with them uh, whenever they, they have a need or whenever they need a, uh, somebody's shoulder to cry on. But are the things on the screen right now, are those are, your, are what you value in your elders, are they the same as what God values in your elders? You see, again, Paul writing to Timothy, this is his second letter. He tells Timothy, for the time is coming when people are not, uh, when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. This is the temptation, which is a temptation then in the church. It's a temptation today in the church where for all of us to follow our passions and not follow what God is passionate about in his church and through his elders. So those who want teachers to suit their own passions, who want elders to suit their own passions, they rarely ask the question, is the word being preached? Or are the leaders ruling as the Bible prescribed? Today's passage says those elders who do those three things well, they are worthy of double honor. Not, not the elders who 
make you or I feel the most comfortable. So there are many ways we can, we can honor elders, um, but let me, let me highlight a few here today, which I feel God has kind of pressed on my heart uh, to share with you. What I wanna say is that conflict is a natural consequence of discipleship. Conflict is a natural consequence of discipleship. Therefore, one way we honor elders is by protecting them. Look at any leader of any government, and I've just come back from the UK and Paul Boris Johnson, he will know whatever you think about him, he's really going through it right now. But you'll any government in any country, you'll always find someone somewhere complaining about the way they do things. And um, Paul understood this. This is why he told Timothy um, in, in verse 19, not to admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Now, really important that we, we, we understand this correctly because Paul is not stopping charges being brought against elders. That's why he says in verse 20, as for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. You know, if there's one line, one verse in scripture I'd like to cross out as an elder, that's probably the one, um, but I don't get to uh, rewrite scripture. Um, no, no leader is untouchable. Every leader is called to be an example. And unfortunately, over the years in Australia, in England, in Japan, power and position have been used to hide all kinds of cruelty in the church. So Paul is not stopping charges being brought against elders. Having said this, we also need to acknowledge that elders are easy targets. Elders and their families are, are vulnerable to, to low-level chit-chat in the church, the kind of conversations which filter around the congregation. Whilst these congregations don't uh, contain any charges of necessarily of serious sin, um, they can contain small accusations which slowly undermine a leader's credibility. And it's these subtle accusations which often do the most damage. Uh, why? Because we listen without asking for evidence. Does that make sense? Those subtle accusations, which often do the most damage, are the ones we listen to and let into our heart without really asking for evidence or really assessing and weighing up what is being said. I can think of, uh, unfortunately, I can think of uh, various occasions in Grace City Church where, um, uh, where people leaving the church have, have tried to attack the credibility of the elders. Um, sometimes they, they throw back things that were from three or four years ago, things which they should have come and dealt with the elder one-on-one -on -one, face to face. But back then those things weren't such a big problem. But now as the person's leaving, these, these provide ammunition. This is the time I can throw all my, uh, my, dis, uh, my, my, my disgruntledness um, at the elder. Um, it, it's easy to say, I think, um, as a bystander in the church, it's easy to say, oh, it doesn't matter, just let it go. But I think what Paul is getting at here is that he expects the body of Christ to honor its elders by preventing false charges, whether big or small, no matter how subtle, being brought against them, false charges being brought against them. He's not stopping charges being brought against elders, but the false charges that circulate. In moving on in verse 17, when Paul refers to, to double 
honor. Some of you may or may not know that he's referring um, in that verse to some kind of financial benefit. Um, like I said, I've not been paid by the elders to share this today. I'm just, this is, uh, this is where the, the word um, takes us today. So um, he says that he's referring to some kind of benefit, uh, financial benefit. He says the ox would separate the grain from the chaff uh, and they muzzled the ox to prevent it from eating the grain. That's the, the, the story there. And elders who rule well shouldn't be muzzled is what Paul's saying. They deserve their wage. They deserve what they can get. This doesn't mean that every, every elder has to be paid. Uh, Paul did not accept money at times whilst other leaders did, but Paul earned his wage uh, whether he took it or not. Um, so what I'm saying is part of honoring is being willing to pay what somebody has earned. Now, unfortunately, some congregations reluctantly pay their elders or they expect them to earn less than they do. Uh, in Grace City Church, we've got, we've got two elders at the moment. Uh, I'm the only one who receives pay. Uh, that's because this is my full-time job. The other elder works um, outside of eldering in the church, and that's where he receives his wage. But the other elder, uh, he deserves a wage. He has labored, ruled, and preached well. But although, like Paul, he doesn't take a wage, it doesn't mean he isn't worthy of that honor. Now, having said all of that, let me just say this. Um, elders are, are not all-knowing and all-wise. We're, we're men who are trying to figure out how to lead well. Uh, and this is what we labor over, where we are constantly asking, what does the Bible say? How exactly does it apply to this situation? So when people come to elders with a question about their personal life, about how the church functions or about how to engage with the city, you might hear an elder say, uh, I'll bring that up with the elders, the rest of the elders, uh, where we'll discuss it and we'll get back to you. Now, now that's common practice for elders not to speak too quickly or without the counsel of one another. Okay, we're not, we're not solo leaders. He's, he's brought us into a plurality of elders, a group of elders, to, because there is wisdom in the group. So in those moments, what I want to say is that we honor the elders by being patient with them as they come to a conclusion, as they reach an agreement. Um, I, I want to take us back, as I begin to conclude today, I just want to take us back to to the, the 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verse 12. Um, I'm not going to bring it up on the screen, but I'll just read it to us. Um, Paul wrote, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So you and I honor our elders, honor those who are over us by remaining in the gospel, by coming back to the gospel, by standing on the gospel. Okay, if you believe Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you are in the Lord. And, and in the Lord, who are you? In the Lord, who are your elders? Well, we're not, were we not all sinners and enemies of God at one point? Are we now not all forgiven and made righteous? A righteousness that is received as a gift and not something that we've made for ourselves. And therefore, are we now not all brothers and sisters in Christ? Are we not the body of Christ together? The elders alone are not the body of Christ. They don't represent Christ in your city. Okay, together, 
you are an example together. You, you serve your, your, uh, your, your, your community. Jesus' life was for each of us. Jesus died the death in the place of each of us. Jesus rose again and his power rests in each of us. And, and you cannot do the work of eldering without being safely in the Lord. And so your elders, they'll, they'll know their inadequacies. You know, believe it or not, they'll know their inadequacies. Um, they know that they can only do this by putting their faith in Christ's adequacies. But if you as the bride of Christ, if we as the body, if we also do not have our faith securely in Christ's righteousness, then, then as the elders do their eldering work, which may occasionally include correction and admonishment, then we will likely respond negatively towards that because we're not stood in the safety of his grace. So it's important that as a body, in order for the elders to, to operate, it's important that we as the body are also stood firmly in the Lord, in our identity in Christ. Um, Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over you as those who will give an account. I'm sharing that not to, 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 to really focus on the obeying of your leaders, but the fact that your leaders are those who have to give an account. Um, eldering is not a relaxing position. Church isn't always a comfortable institution uh, uh, to, to belong to. Um, and elders step up willingly to do the work they do um, in order to serve, in order to grow the kingdom. And if elders will give an account, and if they, as it says in James chapter 3, verse 1, will be judged with greater strictness, then it's no wonder that Paul called the Thessalonians to pray for them. Elders need the prayers of the congregation. They, they need more than just, oh, God bless our elders. Um, they need your specific prayers. Uh, let me share some examples here with you up on the screen. Hopefully you can, uh, you can see that. Um, that they need specific prayers. Pray that their first love will be Jesus. Pray they will keep their marriages and family a priority. They're their first ministry, right? Pray they will recognize success in ministry is measured by both faithfulness and fruitfulness. Nothing more, nothing less. Pray for their purity so they will not fall into temptation. Pray they will continually seek God's direction for the church, which is you as a body. Pray they will be bold enough to speak the truth and gracious enough to do it with humility. Uh, pray they would teach sound doctrine. Pray they would discern what is most important and guard against what is simply just the most popular. Pray God would protect them from negative criticism, from false expectations from gossip and slander, and they would have soft hearts in the face of uh, 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 manipulative people. Pray they would receive the rest they need. Folks, we're, we're called to pray for those who are over us. It's a biblical command. I, I, I want to ask you as a church this morning, if you would, right now, if you would stand with me, 
can I ask you as a church, if you'll just stand together this morning, I want to ask you to pray for the elders uh, of your church and uh, for, for your, your new elder to be next week. Pray some of these things for them. I, I think so often we can we can pray quietly at home. Uh, I hope that that's something you do. Um, we, we can pray from a distance. We can tell them, uh, tell our elders loosely as we're, we're walking out of church that we're praying for them. But there's something deeply encouraging, something beautiful for, for your elders this morning to see you stood as a church praying for them. So folks, I'm going to end my message to you here this morning uh, with this. Can we pray? Can we pray out aloud um, for the elders uh, uh, of your church? And as we're praying this morning, whenever uh, the, the meeting leader feels that the prayer is coming to an end, then um, I'll just hand back. Uh, let them continue with the service this morning. Well, church, let's pray together. I'm going to pray out aloud. Can you pray with me, Lord? We just come before you this morning, Lord. We just ask uh, for your blessing and your strengthening, Lord, upon the people that you have called to, to lead this church, Lord. Father, they uh, are aware of their insufficiency, Lord, aware of their inadequacies, Lord. We pray, Lord, that that will be their strength, Lord, that that will continue to Bring them to their knees before you, Lord. Bring them to be dependent upon you, Lord. Bring them to call out to you, Lord, to reach out to you, Lord. And Father, we pray, Lord, that they will do it not by might, not by power, but that they will serve your church, Lord, by your spirit, Lord. Continue with their ears and hearts open to what it is you would want to say and how you would speak, Lord. Father, we pray for those times when things are not black and white, Lord, that, uh, uh, that you would give them discernment, Lord, that you would give them wise counsel, Lord, that you would give them patience, Lord, when uh, they, they don't have a, a concrete response or a concrete way forward. Father, we pray, Lord, for their families, Lord. We pray that you protect them. We pray that you surround them, Lord, that their uh, children and their spouses, Lord, will have a positive um, a positive response to church, a positive impression, Lord, that that the serving as an elder, Lord, will, will be a benefit to the whole family, Lord, and, and not a disappointment, not a distraction, Lord. I just pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.